We will continue to clear snow throughout the day and likely over the next few days. Uh, we expect the clearing operations will continue into the weekend. I think I'm going to call my family to help me or someone else. Tonight, digging in and digging out. The GTA and beyond climb out of one of the season's largest storms with word more could be on the way. Good evening. We begin tonight with a big cleanup. Less than 24 hours have passed since the worst of that major system blanketed the region. In its wake, mounds of snow, dozens of reported collisions, and a lot of frustrated commuters. CTV's Austin Delaney has been speaking with a few of them today. He joins us live. Austin, what are you hearing? Yeah, we're at, the, we're at the Collision Reporting Center, and it's been a steady stream of cars coming in all days, minor fender benders. You're hearing the same thing, though, from these people who are coming in here who have had accidents. The person who hit me did not have snow tires. It has not been an easy day at work for this Uber driver using the end of a snow scraper to get his vehicle off the snowbank after pulling over to pick up a ride. Now I don't know what should I do, so I think I'm going to call my family to help me or someone else. Lots of commuters finding themselves in a bit of a bind once they turned off the major routes. Walking wasn't any easier. Neither was the bus in some cases. I'm already late. It's at 9 my work starts, so... It's 8.52 and I have to go to Victoria Park. So I'll be like around 20, 25 minutes late to work today. We woke up to something we're just not used to this winter. Yeah, I was expecting a snow day, but I guess it's not happening. A big dumping of snow that needs to be cleared, and it was not easy. We've been out here for an hour. It's pretty bad. It's time to get a snowblower. A snowblower definitely made cleanup a whole lot easier. The slick conditions made it hard for drivers to get around. This was the scene on Avenue Road last evening as drivers desperately tried to get up the hill. It is clear in this video which cars have snow tires, the ones easily maneuvering, passing the ones without, stuck at a standstill. They call them all-season tires. They shouldn't call them all-season tires. All-season tires are good for California. This here's Canada. Right? So you can't, uh, you can't get up the hill with all these tires. Put winter tires on your car. At the Collision Reporting Center, we find Mohammed, who was rear-ended. Well, maybe she could not stop or she was too close. And uh, she saw just it on this corner. The plows have been out all day, hitting the side roads after first doing the major roadways. It is a job that is far from over. Uh, we expect the clearing operations will continue into the weekend because our crews and equipment are going to need to make multiple passes to clear the roads, sidewalks and bike lanes during and after the snowfall. This video shows a snowplow passing too close, knocking off a side mirror and smashing the electric charger of this Tesla. And they just moved away from the car without actually doing any... Uh, checking or anything. Um, so now I'm hoping that the city will cover it in some way. Plowing was certainly tricky on the side roads where vehicles had parked on both sides of the street. So there's been a misty drizzle falling most of the afternoon. It's still coming down right now. It's cold, so it's forming a little ice layer on the ground. So if you're out tonight, be careful. It is slick out there. It is icy. Drive with caution. Reporting live, I'm Austin Delaney. Michelle? Great advice. Thank you, Austin. Well, ground commuters weren't the only ones spinning their wheels in the storm's aftermath. Our John Mosselman is at Pearson tonight with tales of more than a few frustrated air travelers. John. Well, Michelle, that frustration really is from people who were stuck in this storm yesterday. They couldn't get out. And today they were trying to find plans and flights to get out today or tonight. 
It was a long, exhausting night for travelers like Janice Collins and her husband. Their flight to Regina was canceled because of the storm yesterday. They camped out inside Terminal 1 overnight. We're supposed to be going out tonight, my son and, and husband and I, and then I have two daughters with families, and they're supposed to be going out tomorrow. Same story for a number of passengers who could not get out last night or were delayed hours and then experienced cancelled flights. This couple was scheduled to fly out yesterday at 2.30. They thought they would beat the storm, but it didn't happen. They're heading to Washington. It's weather-related, so they cancelled, but we were just disappointed that they didn't accommodate us for anything. Miserable. I had to cancel work. I had to cancel doctor appointments. Someone is watching my dog at home. I had a connecting train, a cellar train from D.C. to New York. I missed it. This man flew from India to Toronto. His connecting flight to Regina was cancelled last night because of the weather. He also slept in a chair. They booked me to another flight, which is also delayed by a couple of hours. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be flying tonight. There are less than a dozen delays on the board today and fewer cancellations. Air traffic is moving and the de-icing and runway clearing has been ongoing, all part of winter operations at Pearson. The situation has improved significantly. Here's a look at the numbers. Of 467 scheduled departures, only 17% have been cancelled. Of 478 total arrivals, only 15% have been cancelled. And I just took a look at the board. There's about 10 cancelled flights, maybe 20 delays, but most of the delays are probably about an hour, maybe less. So if you are flying tonight, you're asked to check with your status with your airline. Reporting live inside Terminal 1, I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back to you. Thanks, John. And Lindsay Morrison is here now. Lindsay, exactly how much snow did we get? Well, you know, Paulina, we landed pretty much where we expected to be, between 15 and 20 centimeters of snow and ice total, about 17 centimeters in Toronto, closer to 20 in King City. Lesser amounts for areas like Oakville and Kitchener, where there was more in the way of ice pellet activity. That, too, was expected. Now, on top of that snow, as Austin mentioned in his report there, we are dealing with some freezing drizzle. We've also had periods of ice pellets and a couple of flurries make their way through. We are under a freezing drizzle advisory. This issued by Environment Canada. Watch for slick roads and slippery sidewalks, especially on untreated surfaces tonight. Current temperature is minus 4 degrees. The temperature is actually going to rise this evening before it falls overnight. And we are in for some cold air to start off the weekend. We'll talk about that and when the next round of messy weather is set to roll in. That's coming up for now, Michelle. Over to you. Thank you, Lindsay. Nearly one week after Mayor John Tory stepped down, Toronto's city clerk has set the date for the municipal by-election. The process begins in late March when council is expected to declare the mayor's seat vacant. If that happens, the clerk's office will accept candidate nominations from April 3rd through to May 12th. Torontonians will be able to cast their ballots in advance June 8th through to the 13th. That's a Thursday to a Tuesday. The mayoral by-election will then take place on Monday, June 26th. In the interim, this woman suddenly holds the keys to City Hall. Jennifer McKelvey at the helm until Toronto elects John Tory's successor. After the break, how the interim mayor is settling into her new gig. Urban street gangs aren't what they used to be. They've evolved. This from police, who today unveiled the results of a one-year investigation into organized crime. The joint force effort dubbed Project Coyote, putting cuffs on members of the Hells Angels and Red Devils clubs. CTV's Janice Golding reports. I'm pleased to share the results of Project Coyote. 
a 13-month joint force investigation that has resulted in removing more than a dozen firearms, including stolen and 3D printed weapons off of our streets. OPP Chief Superintendent Paul McKay reads off a laundry list of items police seized in Project Coyote, a joint force investigation that spanned more than a year. Guns and ammunition, a vast array of drugs, hundreds of thousands of Canadian currency, along with cars, watches and jewelry. Urban street gangs are moving out of the neighborhoods and are turning into global criminal networks. They're becoming bigger, they're becoming bolder. Police executed nine high-risk warrants in the GTA on January the 18th. And then yesterday, warrants were executed at 23 locations across the province. In all, 27 people were arrested, members of a GTA street gang, the Hells Angels, and their affiliate, the Red Devils. Outlaw motorcycle gangs are continuing to intimidate communities and incite violence. They're moving out of clubhouses and into storefronts where they're trying to expand their influences even further. Police say they also found three sawed-off shotguns, hardened soft body armor, as well as miscellaneous motorcycle club vests and signs. A clubhouse in Belleville and a downtown business storefront were also shut down. Project Coyote has sent a very powerful message to organized crime that when they set up shop in a smaller community such as Belleville, they'll be facing not only the resources of our local police agency, but the combined might of law enforcement across all of Ontario. Toronto Police provided surveillance and search warrant support. The work of organized criminals spreads across borders, so police work must as well. Charges include conspiracy, trafficking of controlled substances and firearms, and possession of property obtained by crime. And with the investigation ongoing, police expect more charges to be laid. Through Project Cody, we are holding organized criminals accountable for putting personal profit ahead of the well-being and safety of our communities. Janice Golding, CTV News. Provincial police have issued a Canada-wide warrant for a suspect known to frequent the Toronto area. 31-year-old Michael Stamatakos is accused of breaching statutory release while serving a two-year sentence for several charges, including arson. For more details on the search, head to our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. For months now, many people have been feeling a bit on edge while riding the rocket. Understandable after a spike in reported attacks and assaults. Tonight, some affirmation. New data suggests that the rise in violence has been happening for a while. CTV's Beth McDonnell joins us now from Davisville Station. Beth, what is this all about? Pauline, new numbers from the agency are out revealing how many incidents there were against customers all of last year. It's showing a significant increase compared to before the pandemic. At Kipling Station, a woman set on fire and killed. At Hyde Park, another woman fatally stabbed. And at Young and Bloor, a woman pushed on the tracks. This is a sample of the violence on the TTC in 2022. Well, in all honesty, I was scared to take the TTC today. I, I was actually not thinking of taking it. New data from the TTC confirms the number of offences against customers is up 60% compared to before the pandemic. In 2022, 1,068 offences, up from 734 in 2021 and 400 more than in 2019. And as crime went up, ridership went down. The average 60% in 2022 compared to pre-COVID levels. A disturbing finding, says Murtaza Haider. He spent 20 years studying public transit, mostly forecasting demand, and believes having police on the system in the short term is the right thing to do. You need a compassionate approach with people who have mental health issues and they're not getting the help that they need. But you also have people who are repeat offenders, people who are on bail 
and they commit crimes of violent TTC property. Like everybody, we're concerned as well. The TTC says the strategy right now is compassionate, balancing those using the system for shelter, facing mental health, addiction and housing issues, and at the same time, customers and employees with real safety concerns. Since the end of January, 80 police officers responding to the immediate need. The TTC is incredibly safe. We move hundreds of millions of trips every year without incident, but we don't take that for granted, nor should we take that for granted. And one of the ways that we reinstill uh, that sense of, of, of confidence for people to come back is by doing the things that we're doing with that balanced approach. Riders have their own opinions. I haven't noticed the more police and, and, and security service in subway that's great before i always listen to music but this time no i only want to hear about it and be careful about any noises whether having police on the system will reduce the number of offenses won't likely be known for several weeks 50 special constables and 20 streets to homes workers are also being added on the system. The TTC expects ridership to return to 75% of what it was before COVID by the end of this year. Reporting live outside Davisville Station, I'm Beth McDonnell. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Beth. Meanwhile, Toronto police have identified a suspect they say pushed a man onto the subway tracks at Bloor Young Station Sunday afternoon. Investigators have issued a warrant for 42-year-old Terence Haley of Toronto. He's wanted on several counts, including assault and failure to comply with a probation order. Police are putting the word out tonight about a potential child luring incident in the city's east west end. On Tuesday, investigators say a man approached a child at Jane and Wetherill Streets north of Bloor. The suspect allegedly invited the child into his van to see his dog. The child said they'd tell their parents and the man fled northbound on Jane Street. The vehicle is described as a silver Honda minivan with no license plates. And a suspect is now in custody after an incident Tuesday afternoon that prompted a lockdown at a high school in Bloordale Village. Investigators say a man got inside St. Mary's Catholic Academy and attacked a 17-year-old student before he was confronted by staff. Today, police arrested 28-year-old Lulian Andre Mandy. He's been charged with one count of assault. The provincial NDP wants to hear a few more details about what happened at the wedding of one of Doug Ford's daughters. At issue, who was invited and why. And the NDP is asking the Integrity Commissioner to step in. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now to explain. Siobhan. Well, the government sidestepped questions about this today, Michelle, uh, focusing instead on the economy. We will get a better sense of where the government wants to spend your dollars one month from now. That's when the finance minister will table the budget. The NDP, though, is focused on the government's record on ethics. This morning, I filed a complaint with the Integrity Commissioner. This is the second request from the NDP to the Integrity Commissioner to dig into the Premier's ties to developers. This one over questions developers were invited to the stag and doe and wedding of one of Doug Ford's daughters. Developers who've benefited from government land decisions, including in the Greenbelt. Will the Premier commit now to sharing the details of which developers and which government lobbyists were invited to this event, who approached them for funds, and what if any, land deals or appointments were discussed. An incredulous government house leader calls this a drive-by smear. She wants the premier of this province to ask his daughter to table in the legislature the guest list to their wedding. The premier didn't speak for himself today. 
absent from question period. If nothing is wrong, why won't he get up there and answer those questions? The NDP won't share what information it has outside media reports to push for an investigation. The Premier insists the integrity commissioner cleared him, but Ford only made a call months after the fact, after reporters started poking around. That should have raised uh, alarm bells in the integrity commissioner's office, and he should not have relied only on what Ford said happened but investigated fully. Something Democracy Watch and opposition MPPs hope will happen now. We need to ensure that the Premier did not do an end run around fundraising rules and bring in some sort of pay-to-pave um, process here when it comes to these Greenbelt land deals. The Integrity Commissioner is already looking into whether the Housing Minister or anyone on his staff might have tipped off developers about coming Greenbelt changes. Steve Clark's office has said he looks forward to being cleared. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Michelle and Pauline, back to you. We want better staffing? Yes! We want better wages? Yes! And this was the scene outside Lakeridge Health in Oshawa this morning as nurses held a protest. The Ontario Nurses Association is in contract talks for its 60,000 hospital sector members. It's calling on the province to step up compensation, especially now that Bill 124 has been ruled unconstitutional. The Ford government is appealing that decision that struck down its law limiting wages for public sector workers. It still has to be determined exactly how the money will be spent, but the province is getting billions more in new health care funding. Ontario is one of five that have now accepted the federal offer. CTV's Glenn McGregor has the details on that. Outside an Ontario hospital, health care workers demanding more pay and improved working conditions. Nurses have had enough. This profession is falling apart. We are losing nurses left, right and center. Today, federal-provincial agreements intended in part to address their concerns. We've actually just uh, confirmed agreements in principle uh, with the four Atlantic provinces and Ontario who've said, yes, we're in for these health care deals. Meeting premiers in Ottawa earlier this month, Justin Trudeau offered an additional $46.2 billion in funding, including $25 billion earmarked for specific custom deals for each province. New money for mental health better access to doctors, and supports for health workers like those marching today. Access to primary care, recruitment and retention, uh, health information technology, all the things that we've been talking about for quite some time. Including already scheduled increases to transfers, an additional $198 billion will be sent to the provinces over 10 years. From that, $2.2 billion more will flow to Newfoundland and Labrador, $4.8 billion to Nova Scotia, $996 million to Prince Edward Island, and $73.9 billion for Ontario. Trudeau says data-sharing provisions of the agreements will ensure the provinces use the funding as intended, not to offset cuts to their own health spending. Residents of those provinces will be asking very legitimate questions as to why they are getting worse health care outcomes than their fellow Canadians who are living across a border or across a river or across the country. That's the beauty of transparency. The government must still reach an agreement with the other provinces, but the premiers as a group have all said yes. Even if some are unhappy, there isn't more money on offer. Glenn McGregor, CTV News, Ottawa. Also tonight, providing made-in-Canada protection following a severe pandemic shortage we'd all like to forget. How a local business is now meeting the need for PPE. 
The head of Gymnastics Canada has been removed from his post amid calls for change at the sport's governing body. The move follows calls for his resignation by a group representing hundreds of former and current gymnasts. In March, they asked for a federal investigation into what the athletes called a culture of abuse in their sport. In Los Angeles, Harvey Weinstein has been sentenced to 16 years in prison. The former movie mogul was convicted of the 2013 rape and sexual assault of an Italian actor and model. Weinstein addressed the court today saying he is innocent. The 70-year-old is already serving more than 20 years behind bars for a similar 2020 conviction in New York. And in Chicago, R. Kelly was handed a 20-year sentence. He was convicted on charges of child pornography and enticement of minors for sex. But the judge says the singer will serve 19 years simultaneously with a 20-year uh, with a 30-year sentence imposed last year. So one year of prison time will be added when that New York sentence is completed. In Ohio, U.S. safety investigators are focusing on a wheel bearing following that toxic train derailment three weeks ago. This was 100% preventable. We call things accidents. There is no accident. Every single event that we investigate is preventable. The National Transportation Safety Board released a preliminary report today. It says the crew did not receive a critical warning about an overheated axle until just before the derailment. Dozens of cars went off the tracks February 3rd. It led to evacuations and fears of contamination after a controlled burn of chemicals intended to prevent an explosion. Mediation efforts are underway following more violence between Israel and Palestinian militants. The Israeli military says six, six rockets were launched from Gaza overnight, setting off air raid sirens in southern communities. No injuries were reported. Israeli fighter jets later struck a Hamas weapons manufacturing site. The exchange comes after 11 Palestinians were killed yesterday during an Israeli raid in the West Bank. Canadian privacy regulators are launching an investigation into TikTok. There are growing concerns internationally that the Chinese-owned app is gathering users' data without consent. Canada's privacy commissioner will look at whether TikTok's practices comply with our privacy laws. The joint probe will also include counterparts in Quebec, B.C. and Alberta. Hours before the first anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine, the U.N. approved a resolution today calling on Russia to withdraw its forces. In Kyiv, Vladimir Zelensky welcomed the Spanish prime minister for a meeting. The Ukrainian president said today the military situation in the south is quite dangerous in some places and conditions in the east are very difficult. There is trepidation on the streets of Ukraine as people fear more missile attacks in the next 48 hours. CTV's Adrian Gobriel is in the capital. The sun is set on the 365th day of the Russian invasion into Ukraine. We're here in Kyiv where residents are on high alert, unsure what could be coming tomorrow and in the days to come. Now this morning there were air raid sirens at 11.30. Just another reminder of what has been ongoing for the last 12 plus months. We're in St. Michael's Square. This is where they have multiple tanks, about half a dozen Russian tanks on display. People can walk up, they can touch them, they can look at them and take photos with them. A show of Ukrainians' force and success in the battlefield. If you follow me over here 
take a look at this. This is a cruise missile. Pretty unbelievable just to be able to walk up and touch this. Again, just an example of what has been happening here uh, in Ukraine over the last 12 months today. Multiple bombs were dropped in the east, a building collapsed in Kherson, and concerns about what the days ahead could come, what Russia may or may not have in store. One precaution that is being taken today is that schools are closed for the remainder of the week. Trying to keep children in this country safe has been a challenge for the last 12 months. What comes tomorrow, we'll have to wait and see. I'm Adrian Gobriel, CTV News, Kyiv, Ukraine. Coming up, how our friends in southwestern Ontario fared amid the wintry blast. Their cleanup efforts likely to take longer than ours. We'll show you the icy mess just ahead. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, icy, slippery conditions may be in store for us over the next day or two. Make sure you're prepared so you don't slip and fall, along with using salt and sand. Adding ice cleats to your footwear can give you some added traction. I'll have my report just ahead. A lot of talk about freezing rain and ice pellets the last couple of days, but what is the difference between the two? Here's an idea of how each forms, but here at the surface, ice pellets sound like little chunks of ice hitting your window, while freezing rain sounds and looks like rain, but it freezes on contact. We've had a little bit of both today, and it will continue through the early part of this evening. We'll show you when we get a bit of a break from the active weather coming up, and stay with us. We have another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. Well, we could be in for slippery conditions, and you have to be careful because about 20,000 Ontarians visit emergency rooms annually due to falls on ice and snow. To avoid a slip and fall injury, you can use products around your home as well as add some traction to your footwear. For more, here's Pat Foran and Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Michelle and Pauline. Slip and fall accidents can be quite serious, so it's important to protect yourself. Winter footwear continues to get better, but for added protection, you can also use ice cleats, which offer similar benefits to winter tires. When streets and sidewalks are covered with ice and snow, it doesn't take much to slip and fall. You could end up with a sprained ankle or a much more serious broken hip. Catherine Malmgreen slipped on her icy driveway and is thankful she wasn't seriously hurt. All I know is that I hit my head really hard. You could have a fall on ice when you least expect it. Just be mindful that ice can form even if you can't see it. It's especially hard to see at night or under a layer of fresh snow. A good first step is using rock salt or ice melters on your walkways and driveway around your home. Before a storm, lay down a thin layer of salt and another layer during the storm. It can make it easier to shovel and clear away the snow and ice. And always choose the right footwear. It's a bit like an aircraft simulator. Oh, it's tilting now. It's tilting now. We visited the Winter Lab, a research facility at the Toronto Rehabilitation Institute several years ago to help test winter footwear. Researchers were trying to create traction ratings for boots similar to winter tires. I was strapped into a harness and the dome was tilted three degrees, then six degrees. At eight degrees, I lost all traction. Whoa. 
says boot manufacturers work on added traction. Another way to get more grip is to use ice cleats that attach to your footwear with rubber harnesses or straps. They have spikes or screw heads that dig into the ice to keep you from slipping. Testers tried them outside in real-world conditions as well as in a controlled environment. They found these stable icers had the most stable feel but felt heavy. If you like to be more active and run in the cold weather, these Catula Micro Spikes are a good option. But all the products tested had benefits. All of the ice cleats we tried provided better grip and traction than just a shoe or boot alone. And any would make a great addition to your winter gear. Using ice cleats when conditions are slick could save you from taking a messy tumble. And many joggers, hikers and dog walkers already use ice cleats during slippery conditions. As for salt, some people are worried it will damage their driveways and patio stones. Researchers say try cutting it, it with salt the sand with sand, which will also give you added traction. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. And we could definitely put all of Pat's tips to good use right now as we kind of move into a new phase of this weather event. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of concerned because I'm working until late tonight, yes. so what's it going to be like when I get out of work at the end of the night? Well, the good news is this freezing drizzle advisory that's in place is mainly for this evening. Interestingly mm-hmm. enough, our temperature is going to rise over the next couple of hours, so that should eliminate uh, the risk of some freezing on contact with some of these icy surfaces. Freezing drizzle can be hard to detect on radar, and the ice can be hard to detect as well. So if you do have to venture out early this evening, just watch your step. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand it's hard to stop a train here's a look at that freezing drizzle advisory you can see that it is fairly widespread across southern ontario and it includes it includes all of the gta the temperature is sub-zero right now we've got that drizzle falling here's what it looks like on the satellite and radar again it's difficult to detect a couple of hours ago we had ice pellets moving in that's what you see there in purple that has moved out so by about eight o'clock tonight we should be faring a little better here Uh, in southern Ontario, still dealing with some snow to the east of Georgian Bay. But gone is that big storm that was impacting us at this time yesterday. I know, hard to believe that it can move out so quickly. In its place, we are going to have high pressure, a pretty dry day for tomorrow. Let's take you through the forecast radar. With a couple of exceptions, watch the morning. We're going to have some gusty northwesterly winds that could drive a few lake effect flurries off of Georgian Bay and perhaps more likely off of Lake Huron, down toward London and over toward Woodstock but it's not going to amount to a whole lot. We are dry overnight into Saturday. It's going to be cool. We'll talk about that. And then here comes the next system. You can see that this one's fairly disorganized, so we're not looking at significant snow or even really measurable snow at that. But watch for a little bit of lake enhancement downtown Toronto starting Saturday morning, and then flurries are expected on and off throughout the day. Into Sunday, we're going to see the temperature rebound a little bit. We'll talk about that next. Tonight, though, it is cold. After the temperature rises this evening, it falls overnight to about minus 9. And waking up tomorrow morning, it's going to feel like minus 18 out there. Hopefully, we'll get some sunny breaks. That's the upside to tomorrow as well, even though it's looking like one of our coldest days of the week. Those northwest winds are going to ease. Saturday morning, it could feel into the minus 20s here in the GTA. It could feel into the minus 30s for areas further to the 
north and to the east. Here is the seven-day forecast. So there's the temperature rebound up around two degrees for your Sunday. Already, though, I must warn you about Monday and Tuesday with the potential for once again some mixed precipitation in our forecast. We're keeping an eye on that one. Michelle, for now, I'm going to send it over to you. Thank you, Lindsay. And that storm hit the GTA pretty hard, but it may have done its most damage in communities to the southwest of us. CTV's Scott Lightfoot has more on the aftermath there. It was a familiar sight across southwestern Ontario today. Just hope we have power soon. That's it. No heat, no hydro, no anything. Power lines down, leaving tens of thousands of people in the dark since last night. Terrible, just terrible. Last night it was awful. Hydro One says close to 29,000 people saw their power knocked out after wicked winter weather blew through the area. In some places, power is not expected to return until tomorrow afternoon. Heavy ice and high winds also brought down trees and limbs, leaving a mess that officials say could take more than a week to clean up. A storm like this will probably take us maybe uh, seven to ten days to get to all of the, the you know the lesser priority stuff. And for those who had to get out to go to work. A bit of work before leaving the driveway. All of my tires are covered in ice. I think there's about a quarter of an inch of ice all along my vehicle. The same ice that brought down trees and power lines coated roads and sidewalks. Yeah, it's a challenge, that's for sure. A challenge for drivers with some country roads closed altogether. For those in areas with more snow and less ice, it was a morning of digging out. I love it. Uh... This time of year, I love the snow. Well, this may be typical winter weather for Ontario. The same can't be said for parts of the U.S., where they've experienced record amounts of snow. From Oregon to South Dakota, 25 states issued blizzard alerts. We almost never see this, maybe once in a decade if we're lucky. Including California, snow falling on the Hollywood sign as Los Angeles County sees its first blizzard watch in more than 30 years. That snow is expected to continue into the weekend. Scott Lightfoot, CTV News. And also tonight, filling a void made frighteningly clear during the pandemic, the local company spawned to make Made in Canada PPE. We have an exclusive look tonight at a local success story created during one of the most trying times we've ever endured. A GTA company providing pandemic protection for people here and beyond. Here's CTV's Sean Lathong with the story. Each mask made here is creating a made-in-Canada solution. So that uh, when the next pandemic hit us, we're ready. Taking us on a tour of his Richmond Hill facility, Anthony Zhao is the founder and CEO of Canada Mask. This is our uh, CSA respirator production line. The company was created in the early days of the pandemic when personal protective equipment was scarce, with both the federal and provincial government calling for help. Nobody uh, prior to the pandemic uh, have been making masks here in Canada, so we had to figure out everything ourselves. Sal had no experience in the field. He's an accountant by trade who once operated a kickboxing gym. I just wanted to create something that uh, from nothing. Along with his partner, they imported machines and supplies with the goal of making everything at their facility. From the masks to nose wires and even the ear loops. And this way we ensure not only that we, we don't run out, we also ensure the high quality. Making what are called ASTM procedure masks, they've become one of the only companies in Canada to secure CSA approval 
and have grown from nothing in 2020 to 22 million in sales last year. It took a lot of effort and uh, sweat and sometimes tears. <laughs> and now they're contributing to the PPE stockpile and where once there was no local manufacturing, this company has made Canada a supplier abroad. Last year alone, we donated over 5 million masks and respirators uh, to Africa. Zhao having traveled to Zambia last year, Canada Mask has also donated two machines to help Zambia set up their own operation. They're actually uh, on, it, on their way to Zambia right now. Here in Canada, the company's in year three of a five-year contract with the government of Ontario and looking forward. This is uh, the next product we're going to launch. Creating a stronger mask so the country is better prepared and adding another made-in-Canada solution. Sean Leethong, CTV News. A new production studio is reportedly coming to the GTA, backed up by some major star power. Variety reports that Ryan Reynolds is part of an ownership group for a 1.2 million square foot film and TV hub in Markham. The Canadian actor and business mogul says he's excited to bring more production work to Ontario with the project. One of the most relatable stories in a while is hitting Toronto theatre stages. CTV's Andrea Case has this look at the family drama Things I Know to be True and its two legendary stars. Pick up your laundry. It's hanging in your closet. Yeah, okay, you, what? Okay. you still do his laundry? He does his own underwear. Tom McCamus and Shauna McKenna star in Things I Know to be True, a modern-day tale of a year in the life of a family in turmoil. It's very moving, um, which is what attracted me to it in the first place, but it's also very funny, and it's, uh, it's just a great celebration of family. I think they'll connect to it, no matter what age they are. Um, uh, I think they'll see themselves, they'll see friends, they'll see family. The veterans of Canadian stage have known each other for 50 years, and that type of history makes it easier to work together and harder when the show ends. You sort of, you have to... I guess it's a shorthand. You don't really, you know, you're comfortable with it. You can do whatever you want. Yes. You know, there's no judgment. You know that you're just going to, whatever I give to Shauna, she'll give right back to me and vice versa. So. Yeah, trust. I'm not happy. It's a tale of a couple and their four adult children, all each with their own story. Stories many in the audience will see reflected in their own lives. People that I've talked to, I mean, they just, they're devastated by it by the end of it. But they just, they, they, everybody recognizes it. Everybody recognizes it. They go, that's my family or, or that's, that's my marriage or, I mean, because I think it's just so universal. There are moments of laughter and joy along with the pain of life. It's the reason why all the actors were drawn to the story. On stage at the CAA Theatre on Young Street, Things I Know to Be True has been extended to February 26th. Andrea Case, CTV News. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. After the break, Google searches going nowhere. Why some Canadian users are suddenly not able to access Canadian news content. We will continue to clear snow throughout the day and likely over the next few days. Uh, we expect the clearing operations will continue into the weekend. Updating our top stories, the GTA digs out from one of the biggest storms of the year. Toronto saw at least 15 centimeters of snow. The OPP say dozens of crashes were reported as a result. We're concerned when we see these numbers going up. 
New data from the TTC shows reports of violence on the system is up from before the pandemic until the end of last year by at least 60%. The city has added more police, security guards and outreach workers to address the problem. Will the Premier commit now to sharing the details of which developers and which government lobbyists were invited to this event? And the provincial NDP wants to know more about some guests at two recent family events involving the Premier. The NDP has filed a complaint with Ontario's Integrity Commissioner asking for an investigation. And on the markets, the loonie was essentially flat at 73.84 U.S. Oil gained nearly $1.50, sitting at roughly $75 U.S. a barrel. And the TSX lost just five points, ending the day at 20188 And some good news if you've been itching to shop online with Canada's largest retailer of books. Indigo's website is once again able to accept orders for a selection of titles. This comes after it was shut down for much of the month. The company dealing with a cybersecurity incident since February 8th. It now says it was hit by a ransomware attack that impacted employee data but not customers' payment information. If you tried searching for news about Indigo this week and came up empty, it's not a glitch. Some Canadians are being blocked from viewing certain online news content. CTV's Andrew Brennan reports on who is to blame and why. The search engine was optimized to block news content. Hundreds of thousands of pages usually at your fingertips cut off from Google search results. The company calls it a test run as a potential response if Canada's Bill C-18 becomes law of the land. Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez has billed it as a way for digital behemoths to pay their fair share to the news companies supplying the content. But I don't think that's really what's happening here. Michael Geist is the Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law. He calls the bill inherently flawed. All of the kind of real faults that exist with C-18 could have been addressed through an independent funding model with some kind of contributions to directly fund journalism. But instead, the government has gone directly into the heart of the Internet. And could have the opposite effect, he says, driving away clicks. Google described blocking news results as a test of the bill's impact involving under 4% of Canadian users, saying C-18 is overly broad and, if unchanged, could impact products Canadians use and rely on every day. Facebook's parent company, Meta, also limited news content in Australia last year over similar legislation and has threatened to do the same in the U.S. A spokesperson for Minister Rodriguez says Canadians won't be intimidated. All we're asking the tech giants to do is compensate journalists when they use their work. Canadians need to have access to quality, fact-based news. Sue Gardner is the former director of the Wikimedia Foundation and CBC.ca. She says the bill presents ethical dangers as well. If Google and Facebook were paying a third of the news operating budget for journalistic organizations, we can't expect them to be covered appropriately, to be covered critically, right? It just, it would reduce audience trust. But really, my point is that it won't happen. And she says a revenue safety net could stop companies from adapting to new models, reaching new audiences to survive and thrive in the digital age. Andrew Brennan, CTV News. And just ahead, as deputy mayor, it was always a possibility, and suddenly it's a reality. How the new head of the city is tackling her new role.
Finally tonight, with news Toronto will likely vote for a new leader in June, attention turns to the person in charge now. CTV's Natalie Johnson has this look at the deputy mayor and how she's been navigating through troubled waters. When Jennifer McKelvey walked into the mayor's office at the start of the week, she felt a moment of awe as she looked over the square. It is very surreal. Um, it's a big office. There's big shoes to fill. Shoes that were handed to her suddenly when the mayor she had worked with for nearly five years left Toronto's top job in scandal Friday night. I, I think I am a little emotional. I have a lot of respect for Mayor Tory. I think uh, many people in the city of Toronto are almost grieving. We lost a leader. Now, though, McKelvey is determined to move forward. The environmental scientist who has represented Scarborough Rouge Park since 2018 I'm Scarborough through and through was appointed deputy mayor in November, though she didn't expect the sudden spotlight of the past few days. I never was one to jump out in front of the cameras all the time. I certainly was there to speak up if it was an issue that was important to me, one that I was focused on. Now that focus is on keeping the city running smoothly until a new mayor can be elected, though that will be months from now. McKelvey says she won't run in the by-election and won't endorse any candidates. Her focus will be on picking up where Tory left off. We need to continue those intergovernmental discussions, and I am counting on my council colleagues to help me with that. Percentage increase. Discussions that are so critical because council's newly passed budget includes a billion dollar shortfall that counts on help from the other two levels of government. So you'd like to secure that money before you leave the office? As much of it as I can. McKelvey has already put her family vacation plans on hold, knowing the months ahead will involve unprecedented demands on her time. My kids are 16 and 19, and they have been overwhelmingly supportive, as has my husband, in this new adventure. And uh, I'm hoping that they don't see me more on television than they see me at home. And she says she will still turn to Tory for advice when needed. Right now I'm giving him some space and some privacy. We did talk on Friday and I said, uh, I still have your phone number. I can still call you if needed. And he said, absolutely. Pledging to take good care of the city, she suddenly has a chance to lead. Natalie Johnson, CTV News. All the best in her new role. So weather-wise, we're not in the clear yet. What do we need to know at this stage in the game? Yeah, I'm watching these skaters on an actual skating rink right now, <laughs> but uh, some parking lots and sidewalks could look and feel like skating rinks uh, through the early part of this evening. We remain under a freezing drizzle advisory. Here's what that looks like. There is still some light freezing drizzle being reported at Pearson Airport, so just keep that in mind. doesn't show up well on radar, so there's no point in showing that to you. Waking up tomorrow morning, it is going to be chilly, feeling into the minus teens, and then we've got some cold weather for the start of Saturday as well. There's the long-range forecast. March is next week, Pauline and Michelle. It is indeed. Thanks so much, Lindsay. Be sure to join Omar Sachidina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and is always online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay and all of us here at CTV News, thanks for watching and have a safe evening.